the word of God speaks to us from Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27. When Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. This is God's word to us. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I think I have on a day like this. Uh, my name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here, and we get to kind of walk through this, this text where we're, we're asking big questions of God and lead us to not just go to church, but to say, like, God, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's asking questions of us, like, what are you doing with your life? And, and I, I stumbled across a story this week that I think is worth our time for just a second. So bear with me for a moment. Uh, maybe you saw this story. Uh, the, this past week, a little over a week ago, a guy uh, goes into a pro bass shop and decides to jump in the aquarium. Now, all sorts of things are like going on right here. He doesn't just jump in. He cannonballs into the aquarium, which, friends, that got my attention right there. That got my attention right there. I, I hope it got your attention. I hope you have questions because I have answers, and I'm ready to go right here on this moment. So if you haven't been to a pro bass shop, like, I think we have a photo of one of, a, like, what we're talking about, an aquarium here off of that. I would not encourage you to go seek out video or photos of this actual event because here's what happened. Here's what happened. This, this guy gets in a wreck in the parking lot. He's got two people from his family in him, in the car with him. And instead of like, what do you do when you get in a car wreck? And you're like, wait, we've got to stop and check things. This guy, this is where it gets amazing. The cannonball is not the end of the story, right? This is where it gets amazing. This guy takes off all his clothes, goes into the store, cannonballs into the aquarium and starts swimming around until the police come. Of course the police come, right? Uh, the police are going to come to this. The guy uh, hears them. What do you do? They're like, get out of this thing. Get out of this. He gets out of it. By the way, I don't think I told you this. This wasn't like some crazy kid. This is a 42-year-old man who took one bad decision or one mistake and then compounded it uh, like in all these different ways until it's like this story is out of control right here uh, in this. The police say, you got to get out of there. And what does he do? He gets out, he yells at the police, and he cannonballs back into the water, which the end of the story, I'll just cut to the chase, he was arrested. <laughs> yeah, amen on that, right? The dude's arrested. And I have to think, this wasn't in the story that I read. Uh, I have to think, like, at some point in this moment, the guy is sitting there, uh, like, sitting there in the, the, the jail, and he's like, what am I doing with my life? I, I'm just going to confess this. I am a sucker for stories like this. 
I will read them. I will pay attention. I will dive to the bottom of it. I want to know every single detail. Like some crazy person on a plane, I want to know about it. I want everything. I want, to, I want every bit of the story. I'm here for it. And it's not because I want to make fun of this person. It's not because I want to uh, overly draw attention to them. It's because here's the reality of the story. I see so much of myself in this man. I have a capacity to take like a normal day and all of a sudden it is out of control, ridiculous with bad decisions. And I don't think I'm the only one. I don't, I, I'm not in fear that I'm going to like cannonball into an aquarium somewhere. I am in fear that I will say like, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, sing all these songs today and then later on in the day make a train wreck of my life. And I'm not just afraid of that in my own life. I, I, am, I, I am burdened for that for our people right here. Because it's far too easy to look at a story like this and be like, oh, that person. Like, oh, of course, they do all sorts of things. And miss the fact that in small ways and in loud ways and subtle ways and in ways that are shaking of our family and our lives, in ways that bruise and in ways that scar, we can make decisions that actually are uh, just completely opposite with the, what we want our lives to be. And the question that I think this guy asked, I know I would ask, he's like, what am I doing with my life? And here's why this is important for us. Because like last week, Derek, so, so just like, man, he did such a good job of leading us to not just look at our calendars, that, that was part of it, but to look at how we're formed over the course of a year. And our calendars help us for that. The, calendar, the rhythms of our calendar, whether it's school, but even the church calendar helps to form us, helps to, helps to lead us to those things. And we were thinking about it, and he left us with two kind of like, here's the application point. Immerse yourself in the story of God. Immerse yourself in it, like soak in it, like put, it, put yourself in the crock pot of the, the story of Jesus and, and just take all those flavors uh, onto yourself and then like live into the story of Jesus. Live into that. And I think our text actually helps us to do both of those things. Matthew 16, we're going to walk through all the, this entire chapter. There are five snapshots right here, different aspects of Jesus that help us to immerse ourselves in the story. It's not the whole story, but it's part of it. It, it, it helps us to immerse ourselves in the story and to, to see how to live this out. And, and here's where we're going. It will tell us at the end of this, it will say, take up your cross and follow me. And I think this is really important for us because we can turn those, those words into something ridiculous and crazy. Maybe you've seen hats like this. Oh, sorry, I didn't give you any cue. I didn't cue. Maybe you've seen hats like this. Uh, friends, maybe you own a hat like this. This is not taking up your cross. Maybe you've got wall art that we crocheted and done all sorts of things. Maybe you've seen the memes and all of it. We have all sorts of memes. Like, uh, here it is. When I say these things, we're not talking about on Twitter or Facebook. We don't take up our cross and follow him on social media. We do this every single day with our lives. And so what we want to do is not be people who, who take, like, our normal lives and turn it into something ridiculous. We want to actually be people who are following after Jesus. And so let's dive into that. I want to pray for you real fast. I want you to pray with me. 
And let's go. Father, we need you. Walk us through this text and lead us to the heart of the Father. Lead us to to walk with you faithfully in your ways. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, the New Testament begins with Matthew. And if you're going to immerse yourself in the story, you need to kind of realize that. It begins with the book of Matthew. There are four what we call the Gospels and four, like, perspectives on the story of Jesus. And they're all worth reading. If you, if you were to pick up just the book of Matthew, you could read it in about two hours. It wouldn't take you that long to go through the, the book of Matthew. You can get that. And we want to catch what's going on here because it's important that Matthew gives us a portrait of Jesus. And we need to not just say, oh, there's a portrait. It's on my wall. I walk past it all the time. We want to actually sit and, and pay attention to it. We want to see like the detail that Matthew gives us. And it's why we're going to look at this entire chapter of what's happening. So pick it up with me in Matthew chapter 16. Verse 1. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. Pause right there. Pause right there. Like, we got to ask ourselves, who are the Pharisees and the Sadducees? And, and quickly, there's a lot to be said here. There's all sorts of nuance and, and details on how they differ. But essentially, they are religious groups of the day that have differing viewpoints on some specifics of doctrine. But for our purposes today, it, 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 what helps us is to see these were people who were like, we are following after God. And yet what we get here is that they're standing before God asking for signs. And it doesn't say that they're really interested in the sign as much as they're just trying to test him. To test him. So like, let's, let's catch that as we get back into the text. And they, they ask him, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven And Jesus then gives the next two verses, two and three, he gives this kind of like illustration about the sky. You know how to read the sky. You know how to look at the sky and tell that it's about to snow or rain or it's going to be clear, all these things. But look at verse four. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. but No sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and then departed. You see, friends, like right here at this very first snapshot, we get something really important. We have Jesus saying something about signs. And it, that, that matters to us. It doesn't just matter to them because all of us want signs as well. All of us would love a billboard to say, hey, I know this is right before you in your life, but you should turn left or you should turn right. We want the turn-by-turn navigation of all of this because we think, in my head, I say we because it's easier than just saying I think, but I, I don't think I'm the only one. I think, we think we would be better, life would be easier and, and cleaner if we just had a sign. I would believe more. I would risk more. I would trust more. I would, I, I would have more faith if I just had a sign. But Jesus is saying something to them. It's like, you're trusting in something other than me. And catch to this. Here's Jesus, the sign, standing before them, and they're looking for something else. They're looking for something else. The, Jesus, the ultimate sign is right before them. Well, let's, 
Let's not miss it. There, there were certainly others. There are Pharisees and, and there are Sadducees, the religious people here. But there were certainly others. It doesn't, doesn't name them. I'm sure that there were people around the, this, this happening right here that were like, I'm not even sure what I believe about. I'm not even sure if I believe all this. And there might have been others who were like, yeah, like, I, I believe in God, but that's something between he and I, and, and we've got this thing, and I want no part of the, these religious people. I don't want any part of that. You know that there were all types of different people around him, but here's the picture that's coming out right at the beginning of Matthew 16. is like the religious people are asking for a sign. They're missing the fact that the living sign, the ultimate sign is right before them. They don't need anything else. And Jesus says, here's the only other sign you're going to get. It's the sign of Jonah. Now, what does that mean? Like if Matthew takes you two hours to read, Jonah takes you 15 minutes to read, you could read Jonah in 15 minutes. And here's the message that Jonah carries to him. Here's the sign that Jonah was given as a prophet to the people. Repent and believe. Here's the sign that you need. Repent and believe. It's all right here. You and I are searching for signs. You and I would like signs, wouldn't we? You and I want that. And here's the message from Jesus in our text. He's right before you. He's all you need. Not the turn by turn. He's all you need. Stop looking for a sign and look to Jesus. Repent and believe. The question that we would, we would ask is the same question that our dude in, in the jail cell would ask. What are we doing with our lives if we just keep asking for signs when Jesus is right before us? But that's not the whole story, right? It doesn't end right here. It keeps going. Matthew keeps going. And, and verse 5 tells us this. Here's our second snapshot. The first one starts with signs. And here's the second one. When the disciples reached the other side. Remember, it says they departed in verse 4. When they reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. They'd forgotten to bring any bread. Now, here's where that comes into play. Because the very last section of chapter 15 is Jesus feeding 4,000 people. He miraculously feeds 4,000 people. And if you've never read the story or thought about the story, I'm going to reenact it for you for just a second. I'm going to paint a picture that maybe you'll understand. Picture the T-shirt guy at the Thunder game who's like blasting out T-shirts here and there. I always picture Jesus standing there and he's like, you get bread and you get bread and you get bread. And it's going bread, bread for everybody. Jesus miraculously provides bread for 4,000 people in this moment. Here is your bread. And these these guys in this story in chapter 16, verse 5, are like, oh, man, we forgot the bread. With Jesus right there with them. Here's the part that we miss. This story's not really about bread, is it? Like, you might not be wondering where your bread's coming from. You might not be wondering where your next meal or, or whatever metaphor you want to make of bread. But bread, like, what is it right here? It's stuff. It's like, God, if I just had this, if I just had that. 
If you just do this in my life, if you just give us this, if you just answer this question, if you just help me in this area, if you would just give me this. For them, it was bread. Right here in this moment, it was bread, and they're standing with the one who has provided bread for everyone in abundance and more than they could possibly do, and they have forgotten. I don't know what your stuff is. But I think Jesus would be right there. Like, what have you done? Notice where the text goes, verse 6. Jesus gives an answer that almost completely ignores the reality of bread in their life. And he speaks again to those people. He said, Jesus said to them, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The, the, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Le, leaven is an, like part of what goes into the making of the bread process. But it's not, it, he's talking about the religious leaders and they're not necessarily like the bread makers. He's talking about something else, isn't he? And here's what happens in verse 7. They began discussing it among themselves saying, we brought no bread. See, they're missing it, right? Those who are following after Jesus are, are still stuck on stuff. While Jesus is talking about something so much bigger, they're still stuff, stuck on, like, oh, we forgot the bread. But here's where it gets interesting. But Jesus, aware of this, catch that, aware of this. Put a pin in the phrase, aware of this. He said, oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Why are you doing it? Why, why are you afraid that you don't have what you need when Jesus is right before you? Why are you thinking that if this other thing is going to make you happen when Jesus has said, I have everything that you possibly could need? Why are you like longing for this other thing when Jesus is right there? He goes on, he says, in, in verse 9, he says, do you not perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And then, verse 12, they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Again, right here, Jesus is right before them. The one who has and will miraculously provide is right before them. And they're asking for more stuff. They're fixated on their bread. And I wonder, I just wonder if, if Jesus, if he would ask us the same question. If he would ask us, like, what are you so worried about? What are you, what are you longing for that I don't supply? When the Bible tells us that, that the Lord satisfies as with the richest of foods, I, I think Jesus would stand before us and say, do you not perceive, do you not remember all that I've walked you through before, all that I've provided in your life before, all of the hurts and all the pains, all the longings, all of those spots, do you think I'm not going to be with you today? I think Jesus might even rephrase that to you. He might even say, what are you doing with your life trusting in other things? 
you seemed so sane singing and praying right at the beginning. You seemed so in control, and yet you so quickly run to trust in ridiculous things that will never satisfy you. Signs and stuff. But notice where it goes. Begin, because Matthew's not done. This is only the second snapshot. There's a third snapshot to come, and here is where he goes. Verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that, I, uh, that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. In 15, he, he said to them, but who do you say that? Friends, don't miss what's happening here. Like, there's so many things that you could dive into. You could do studies around Caesarea Philippi. You could do studies around all of this. It's, so, it's such a big deal. But who do you say that I am? I, we live in an area in which it's so easy. I feel like I talk to someone every single day. Every single day. And they find out what I do. They find out uh, all this stuff. And they're like, oh, I go to this church. I go to that church. This is what I do. I'm in this Bible study. I've done that. I grew up here. I did all that stuff. And, and it's like, I, I think I just want to cut through all of it and say, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Is he the Jesus of the Bible or is he just some like invented thing that we come up with and we kind of try to fit in our box and our mold? Who do you say that Jesus is? And notice what Peter says. Verse 16, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ the son of the living God. Now think about it. He's, he's standing there with this man. Peter was not there at the birth. Peter was not there for all of that. Peter was a fisherman that Jesus walked up and said, follow me. And Peter dropped his nets and he followed him. I imagine that Peter had a myriad of questions that were not answered, that he didn't have right there. But he had something where he was like, this guy, this guy is different. And I'm, I'm leaving everything to follow after this Jesus. You are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus answered him. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. This name, blessed are you. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, catch this. We've walked through signs. We walk through stuff. But here is the question that changes everything. Who is Jesus to you? And this is actually so simple. This is actually so simple. It is not complicated. Who is Jesus to you? Not how often have you been to church, how often you go to church, any of those things. Not, not have you messed up this week, not have, have you kept up with your Bible reading plan, not what is all these other things that we try to put on there to check boxes and earn our spot with God. Not whether you came dragging in or you came limping in. It's who is Jesus to you? Friends, Jesus is Lord of lords, king of kings. He is the son of God, born to die as a substitute for our sins and to raise from the dead, conquering all of it. 
to believe this is not through some equation in which all your kind of questions logically get put together and every single question answers and you get to the end of that and you say, okay, every one of those things has been questioned. No, to, to get there and to, to recognize Jesus as Lord, my only hope for this life and the next is by the grace of God opening eyes, giving faith and leading you to recognize what Peter And that confession that many of us have made in here, Jesus, you are Lord, you are the Son of God, my only hope in this life and the next. That, that takes our question, and, and it adds color to it, right? It takes our question of what are you doing with your life? And it takes it out of like recognizing it's just my life. Lord, he is Lord, he is King of kings. And it says, like, how do we walk in faithfulness to this King? How do we do that? Now, that question, everything hinges on who is Jesus to you. But notice what happens next. Because if we just stop there, oh, Jesus, he's king to me, and I do all these things to clean my life up, it, we miss the point. Because here's what comes out next, the very next words from Jesus. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church. This is awesome, isn't it? Maybe you're familiar with this. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter, yeah, puff your chest up right here. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Imagine being Peter right now. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Here we go to the very next words. Because Peter's riding high, isn't he? Peter is at church, and he is singing the songs. He's like, yes, keys of the kingdom. And here it is. Next Verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And here's where it gets kind of shaky, right? And Peter took him, Jesus, aside and began to rebuke him. Peter, who was just like, you are Lord. You are the son of God. He now comes alongside Jesus and quietly to a brother, to a friend. He's like, nah, that's not going to happen. And he rebukes him saying, far be it from you, Lord. He still gets the Lord part, right? Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Stop. That escalated quickly. Right, that got like pretty gnarly quickly. He like, wait a second, like here this is Peter the Rock is now like, get behind me, Satan, in this. And, and here's why I bring that up because notice how quickly things went from I'm praising God to my life is a train wreck, and now the Lord, Son of God, is saying, get behind me, Satan. And we're not talking about some dude who's diving into an aquarium anymore. We're talking about you and we're talking about me. 
And how easy it is for us to come and sing songs and say things and sit up straight and clean up our act and say, oh, God, I love you so much. You are good. And to my very last breath, as long as I'm able, I'm going to praise your name. And here in five minutes, in five minutes, I can be a train wreck. And I don't think I'm the only Here's what we got to catch about this story. It isn't just like, oh, Peter really did a number, didn't he? Look at all the things that Peter did. Actually, it's the opposite. Nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. And we so often think, well, man, if I were to, to run off on my family, if I were to commit some crime, I don't want to go to jail, so I'm not going to commit some crime. Like, if I were going to do this, I was going to do that. Nothing has actually happened. Here's the problem. And Jesus says, you are a hindrance to me. You're hindering the work of the Son of God in this area, in Caesarea Philippi area, in Yukon area. You are a hindrance to me. Why? How does he even say that? You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Oh, friends. Here's Peter with Jesus right before him, and he set his eyes, he set his thoughts on the things of man and not the things of God. Here's Peter right there having walked with Jesus, right there having confessed Jesus, knowing God had given him the grace to know, Jesus, you are Lord, you are all I need in this life and the next. And in the next snapshot that we get of his life, it's off the rails. And it's thinking. And it, I'm just going to lay my cards out here on the table. I think we do a better job of talking about God than following after God. I think we do a better job of singing songs than actually standing and praising and living our lives immersed in the story of Jesus and going towards Jesus. And there's so many of us that stop right there and we have heard this story and we are here, get behind me, Satan, and we can say all these things and we miss it. We know how to sit up straight. We know how to sing the songs. We might even know how all this plays out. And we've reduced faith to just kind of jumping through hoops to comical things that tell other people we're Christian, like uh, bejeweled hats and jeans and all sorts of things. To say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm taking up my cross. But what does faithfulness look like in Yukon? What does faithfulness look like for you and for me? What does it look like to follow after Jesus? Where we're asking like, God, what am I becoming We've convinced ourselves that if we just had a sign, if we just had stuff, if I just had Jesus standing right before me, then I would know exactly what to do. And what we get in Matthew 16 is a larger picture of no, no. We need Jesus every bit, not just beside us, but by his grace, through his Holy Spirit living in us moving us. And here's why. I haven't really tr 
tried to answer the question of what does faithfulness look like for you right here. I've intentionally tried to avoid it because it's so easy to be like, okay, I'm going to clean myself up this week. I'm going I'm to read every day, and I'm going to do this, or avoid certain visible sins, and I'm going to have these things happen. And we start just trying to clean up ourselves for other people, and we start just trying to, to be strong enough and good enough, and, and guess what? We're not. We're not, and we're fooling ourselves. And then as we go down that path again, we start to hear this voice of shame that says, look, you're not even good enough to make it one day on your reading plan. And look, you're not even good enough to do this. And look at you. You're supposed to be the rock that all all this is happening. You couldn't make it one week, one day. And we start hearing so loudly the voice of shame. We hear that voice whisper in us that says, oh man, you're at church today. You sang all those songs. You confessed your sin. You sat up straight and you did all those things. And then you made it to pro-bass. Everything went wild. And we're not just talking about some dude in Alabama anymore, are we? And I don't know where your aquarium might be, but all of us can cannonball into a mess anytime. And the voice of shame, if all we're doing is trying to walk this out and be good enough, all we're going to hear is the voice of shame. But Matthew is so good for us in leading us into immersing ourselves in this story. It's so helpful for us. And, and, and don't just stop at 16. Keep reading. It's so helpful because it doesn't just leave us here with the voice of shame. The very next verse actually gives us the voice of Jesus that speaks a better word over your life. And hear what he says to these people, including Peter and Peter's. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And why does he say this to his disciples? Because just like he knew about the bread, he is aware of your shortcomings. He is aware of all those needy places in your heart. He's aware of the spots in which we go off the rails. He is aware of all of it. He knows these things. And he says, if you are to follow after me, if you're to walk in faithfulness, deny yourself and take up your cross to follow me. The call is to faithfulness. Not to signs or to stuff, not to, to stuffy meetings and, and silly hats or, or memes that, that are just kind of we can throw up on social media. But to follow Jesus in his way of life, in his attitude, in his actions. That in our best moments that we look to him as the one who has given us everything. And in our worst moments, in the dark moments, in those moments where we're full of fear and doubt or shame and guilt, that we look to Jesus. Our only hope in this life and the next. You see the voice of Jesus to the one on the sideline not sure about faith, not sure about all of this, this stuff, that, that voice of Jesus speaks a better word 
It speaks a better word. For whoever would lose his life will lose it. Pardon me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And that voice of Jesus to uh, the, the religious in our area, the, those of us uh, that know how to, to clean ourselves up or to try to act how to clean us up, it says, what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? Where are you placing your trust? And the text ends with 26. It says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels and in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Now you might hear that and you think, I know all sorts of bad things I've done. But that's why we've walked through all of this, because remember the sign of Jonah. Repent and believe the one who covers your sin. He says, take up your cross and walk with me. Take up your cross, follow after me, follow after me. And I want to just pause there and I want to ask you just to, to stop and pray with me. Stop and pray.